Welcome to Right Spokane Perspective with your host, Tim. And Shannon. It's opinion, fact, information, and your alert system. Stay tuned and enjoy the show. And welcome back to Right Spokane Perspective. Today we're talking to Dave and Shauna. They do morning hosting for Christian Radio, and we're excited about their conversation today, talking about the Holy Land. We're going to do that conversation in just a minute. First, we have some inspiration from Shannon. We're going to be talking about living water. The cut flowers came from Ecuador. By the time they arrived at my house, they were droopy and road-weary. Instructions said, revive them with a cool drink of refreshing water. Before that, however, the flowers stems had to be trimmed so they could drink the water more easily. But would they survive? The next morning, I discovered my answer. The Ecuadorian bouquet was a glorious sight, featuring flowers I'd never seen before. Fresh water made all the difference. A reminder of what Jesus said about water and what it means to believers. When Jesus asked a Samaritan woman for a drink of water, implying he'd drink from what she fetched from the well, he changed her life. She was surprised by his request. Jews looked down on Samaritans, but Jesus said, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Later in the temple, he cried out, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Among those who believed in him, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this, he meant the spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive. God's refreshing spirit revives us today, and we're life weary. He's the living water dwelling in our souls with holy refreshment. May we drink deeply today. Loving God, when life leaves us road weary and thirsty, we thank you for the gift of your spirit, the living water who dwells in every believer. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we need that living water to spread. You know, there's a way to do that, and we can do it through music. We can do it through preaching, prayer. There's a lot of things that we can do. Sometimes it's just turning on something that's positive, maybe some Christian music. And we have some folks that are going to come on the show today, Dave and Shauna, who have been longtime hosts and interactive. Local favorites. Yeah, you hear them on local radio. So we're just going to bring them on in, Dave and Shauna. Describe what you kind of have done over the years, how you got involved in radio. Maybe radio caused the marriage or the marriage caused the radio. I don't know. Tell, tell us. I'm a professional goof-off. Um, <laughs> actually, since the uh, age of seven, I knew I wanted to be in radio broadcasting and began when I was 16, almost 40 years ago, and have just loved it and continued on. Donna and I have been married now for over 33 years, and so she's just poor kid. She's been around it all these years and just kind of fell into it at Shine 104.9 when I needed a co-host when my last co-host had to resign, and Shine said, so who's going to join you on the show? Really? And well, that's interesting. We kind of have that situation going on, too, because my host actually retired, and so now my wife is on the show with me, so we have, have something in common there. So your wife's been around <laughs> right. a, a really long time, but she didn't have to live We've through... only been together 25 years, though. 25 years. Well, your wife's uh, been around a long uh, time, but she didn't have to put up with you waiting, <laughs> saying, oh, quiet, quiet, I'm going to hit record on the tape recorder for my favorite song, <laughs> right? You, so you, you lived through that with your radio dreams, right? Indeed. Oh my goodness, we would be on, I specifically remember on car trips and like I'm listening to the music and I don't want to talk then, but then the DJ comes on and talks and I want to talk and he wants to listen. And so we just always kind of have that, that tension of like when we got to talk because we each had different 
things that we thought were important yeah. to listen yeah. to. But I know that, you know, now that, mm-hmm. you know, he was learning his craft and he mm-hmm. has crafted well. Yeah. So. Well, but you yeah, got right in the kid. middle of that, right? So you lost your partner in crime, if you will, and or partner in Christian <laughs> radio. And so, yeah. so how long have you guys been doing this together then? Oh, goodness. That's a really good question. Uh, two and a half years? Three years? Maybe four. Three, four? It, I don't know. It's gone by so three, fast. Three or four years now. Yeah. You can't keep track of all the anniversaries. Just hold on to the one. Make sure you get that one hey, right, right. I got the important one down. <laughs> that's right. So that's, that's kind of how we fell into it together. So you fell into it. You're here locally. We hear you on the radio. We got to get these guys on the radio because you guys have a Aww. dynamic that uh, is encouraging to a lot of folks. Kind of tell us what do you cover? What do you do? How do you present on the radio? Well, Dave has for a long time said that our family is show prep for him. And I and I just got so used to, and our kids would get so used to, we'd be at church and someone would walk up and say, to hey, I heard that thing about you that happened on Wednesday. And you know, it's just for everybody other else, you know, that listens to radio that has a radio family, that's normal. But for everybody mm-hmm. else, it's abnormal. But my kids just got so used to that. I get so used to that. People come up and retell you what you already know because Dave was talking about our lives. But they <laughs> they felt they felt inclined, you know, to tell us mm-hmm. about that again. That they heard so, about it. That yeah. they heard about it. So that, you know, we just, I, that just was a very normal part. So just normal that. conversation, marriage and family. So your children yeah. at yeah. More, probably more than one point in time, like my children, my involvement on radio and politics, tell a story about family. I wouldn't normally use their names. But they knew who I was talking about. Oh, they we would... totally use names. Oh, you totally use names. <laughs> you know, so, so my child would come oh, up to yeah. me. He's like, Dad, really? Really? Right. Yeah. Well, you know, it could be a story like, um, in fact, this came up, just came up in Facebook memories the other day and where my youngest daughter, Megan, and I had been roughhousing and she was chasing me up the stairs. I was trying to get away from her. I threw an elbow back and nailed her square in the nose and gave her her first bloody nose <laughs> and so not only was it a topic of the show we facebooked it <laughs> you know we, we put it online for everyone to see <laughs> that that's pre- that's pretty funny but it, so did it recover the nose Oh, she's fine. Yeah. You know what, though? My favorite my favorite part was when your daughter was getting married and you were sharing all the mm. joyous events and how mm. the planning was going and things mm. like that. Because it does help other listeners to hear all of those, the positive things about marriage prep and, and weddings yeah. and, and just knowing that other people are going through the same things in life. Well, and, like and, and that's important, but we also have to put out that cautionary warning that, you know, if your parents have been married for 33 years, if you're going to chase them, it better be upstairs and not down, right? Because... <laughs> It's true. You make a valid point. And and if you're a parent being chased, use the handrail, please. (laughs) Is that you guys are just like us. You're Mm -hmm. real life. We talk about it kind of unlike maybe, I mean, Dave has really good chemistry, you know, through the years with his different co-hosts. But I think there's just been that, you know, that that notch up a little bit Mm -hmm. where you know each other so well. You can finish each other's thoughts. You know what they're going to say before they're going to say it and you get to jump in because you're going to like hijack that break because (laughs) you're like, no, 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 I'm going to take this a different way. And truly, we rarely plan out. This is usually how it goes. Dave will like go through and he preps our show for the day. And then I come in, he tells me what the breaks are, but we don't walk it out any further than that. Like what you hear is raw. Like we are just, it's off the cuff. Mm -hmm. It seems to work okay. We've always done this 
show be off the cuff. You know, we call it yeah. a casual conversation, yeah, but it, yeah. a lot of times it's not so casual because we talk about difficult things sometimes and not mm-hmm. everything in life is casual or easy to talk about. And, and like you said, as a couple and, or people that are in lifelong relationships, whether it's best friends, you can finish their sentences. And sometimes it's because you don't want them to finish the sentence on their own because you know what they're going to say. <laughs> Uh-huh. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I could just have on our prep sheet, you know, this break, we're going to talk about what did the dog do in the dining room last night? That's all we have to know that we're going to talk about. And we'll know, yeah, the dog did that in the dining room the other night. And so now she's going to stay in her kennel uh, each night from now on until we take care of that <clears throat> little issue. Wow, that was a random thing to pull up. But that's... I'm just saying, <laughs> well, the whole show is random. Well, well, people, the whole show is random. People love their dogs. In fact, I was sitting at an event just the other night talking about dogs. And there was a discussion, I think, or the, the, about the, dogs going to the heaven. Com- well, and, the and we were talking didn't about like dogs. Oh, that's right. It was about a comedian. So if dogs went to heaven, they're not going to shed. There'll be no shedding in heaven. Because life's going to be a lot easier in in those, yeah, the dog hair. Of course, if dog hair is the only problems we have to deal with, that's that's not too bad. Life would be boring if there was no dog incidences in the kitchen. Just saying. Exactly. Yeah, uh, 100%. You know, more about the show, what you guys do. It's very natural. You put yourself out there, your family out there. You're talking about positive messages about families. Do you have a mission as a couple in your production on what you're hoping people are going to receive from you every day as they listen as fans or people that just love the stations and they, they want to get that interaction that's going to help them start their day? Because I'm so much newer to radio than my husband, he has been years where he, you know, sits behind a mic and it's kind of a one-way conversation. You know, there's people out there and you hear from them and can uh, meet them sometimes in person. And the first time I went to a concert and person after person after person came up and they start telling you, your station changes our life. The things that you say, the hope that you bring, when you tell me at the end of my show that I'm amazing, that you love me, that's the only time I heard that that day. And I'm like, Dave, is this how you feel every single time you're in the public like this? And he said, yeah. I'm like, no wonder you come home from events sometimes. Like you're not just physically drained. It's emotionally drained because you're just pouring out and people feel like they know you so well that they pour out to you. And it's really beautiful because then you get to connect the people on the other side and you put faces and names to them. And that puts, you know, humanity on them. And you get to share in Jesus together. It's mm-hmm. pretty sweet. Yeah. It's nice to know that what you do every day brings hope and encouragement. And I'll be the first to say there are some days that you come to work and it kind of felt a little bit like a job. You came in, you did your thing and you hung up your headphones for the day and you and you went back home. But then like a few days later, when the listener says, when you and Shauna were talking about that, 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 like, oh, yeah, that day. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what that what that meant to them. And so I always take those as checkpoints with God to, to remind me that um, what we do is not a, is not a job. It truly is a ministry and it's a calling that we have to bring God's joy and hope and encouragement to anyone who needs it that day who might accidentally fall onto the radio station or be a longtime listener that they'll hear just what they need. 
just when they need it. And that is a powerful message to to people when they need that encouragement. Because a lot of people don't love what they do like you guys, right? Somebody's got to change the sheets at the hotel. Somebody's got to right. clean, mm-hmm. the, clean the streets downtown. Somebody's got to do law enforcement. Yeah. All these different tasks that might not always be that rewarding. And so to have that positive attitude when you go to work if if you receive it from your program what a blessing that is on other people and we have to be encouraged we, we need to find things to look forward to mm-hmm. one of the things we can look forward to when we come back from the break is an audio trip to israel don't go anywhere mm-hmm. we'll be right back we want to thank god and you the listeners for the opportunity to continue the right spokane perspective radio show and podcast programming we sincerely thank mike fagan for 12 years of dedication to our listeners and guests of the right spokane perspective Listeners, it's because of your support we continue to bring you facts, commentary, and alerts on what's happening in local government, politics, and issues affecting us all. Please send your most generous support to Right Spokane Perspective, LLC, PO Box 7620, Spokane, WA 99207. Thanks again, and back to the show. And welcome back to Right Spokane Perspective. Today, we're here with Dave and Shauna, and they are inspiring us today with the messages that they give and the thoughts of why they give those messages, their mission. But we also want to take an audio trip to Israel because I've never been and my wife has never been. Shannon would love to go to Israel, but Dave and Shauna have gone to Israel and are going to Israel. So we want to talk a little bit about that. Dave and Shauna, tell us how the Holy Land affects you when you go. Ooh, you're going to jump right in. That's a big one right there. Well, yeah. it's, it's a massive thing to me. You, you hear the Bible stories, and of course, a lot of people want to reject biblical truth. Oh, it's just some fairy tale. It's a fiction. Mm. But it's true. It's real. When you go to the Holy Land, there's all these sites. Archaeologically, the Bible has mm-hmm. led more archaeological scientists to historical truth than any other mm-hmm. book, right? Mm-hmm. You yeah. see that play out in, in motion when you go, right? You do. And I think I heard someone else say this before when the first time I went, which I think was your third time, right, Shauna? They said it's it's like the Bible suddenly becomes the kind of book that we had as kids where you'd open the, the book and everything would pop up. Everything yeah, would just books. come to life. Shauna has been such a student for, goodness, 15 years or so of the festivals in Israel and these sites and how the Old Testament connects to the New Testament and this site. And and then to finally go there and have her lead us through there and realize you're walking right where Jesus walked. Mm-hmm. You realize you're standing there in the Garden of Gethsemane. The, the things that you have heard about your entire life and read about your entire life, and you're standing there next to these olive trees that they believe some were there when Jesus walked that ground is absolutely awe-inspiring, and it just makes you want to go again and again. And I think one of the really poignant moments for me was one of the trips we took our oldest daughter and her best friend, and we were on this wooden boat, and we were sailing across the Sea of Galilee. We were standing right there at the front of the boat, almost like Titanic. You're right there at the front of the boat. And uh, Well, thank goodness daughter, there's no icebergs down in the Sea <laughs> exactly, of Galilee, right? Exactly. Our daughter's friend turned around and she said, I feel like we just missed him. Had we come yesterday, he might have been here. All of a sudden, I that really hit deep with me because this was... This was the water Jesus walked on. This is the water that, that Jesus calmed the storm, and we were right in the middle of it all. To have all of that come alive, for me, it was really like a, like a homecoming mm-hmm. to, to go to Israel 
even though I'd never been there before, it's like, this is where I belong. <laughs> it's pretty awesome. It's just kind of a, a live experience in how Jesus can calm the storms in our lives, calm the storms in the chaos and the communities and the cultures around us, mm-hmm. seeing mm-hmm. how true that is. You know, we're, I think in education now, we're kind of telling kids that this stuff is not true. It's just a fairy tale. And okay. to see those sites and the culture, the people around that, it's not just a vacation site. You're not just going to Disneyland or something that's some fictional thing mm-hmm. that they've created rides about, right? This is a different mm-hmm. experience. So tell us a little bit more about this experience because you guys would really like to see more people travel there to gain the perspective that you have. I, I actually think it should be a prerequisite to being a pastor. <laughs> <laughs> prerequisite to being a pastor? <laughs> I, I, think, I, think if, I think if you're a pastor and you've never been to Israel, you really need to make, make quick paths. to to Israel and and experience it for yourself. Hmm. When you're standing in the land where time began and when time's going, where time is going to end, when you're standing on the Mount of Olives and you know where that Jesus looked over the city and he wept, and because you can look out and you can see Temple Mount, he would have been looking at the temple. He would have been seeing what was being defiled right before his eyes. And when you know that's where he's coming back to place his feet and that mountain is going to move and the water is going to run fresh water and it makes a beeline to the Dead Sea. And I love, Shannon, how you started out and you were talking about the living water because that living water is going to run and the Dead Sea that has never seen life before is going to have life in it and the and fish are going to be able to live mm-hmm. in that water because of the water. They because they know prophecy, right? The Jews knows prophecy and that prophecy comes from the old covenant. And so right now in this very day, there are fishermen that are raising fish so that when that prophecy comes true, because they, unlike any other religion, they believe in the same Yahweh. They believe in God the Father, and they believe there's Messiah coming, but the Jews just believe he's coming for the first time instead of the second time. And so they're preparing, and they are they are raising fish so that they can be among the first fish that they have been put into this water that was once dead and is now alive. We get to that and you know we get to be by the dead sea and see how dead it is and to reprocess the out of ezekiel it says it's going to have living water again yeah, that's pretty that's amazing. amazing that's amazing so you have <laughs> yeah. you have people that are actually living out and taking action to live prophecy. out the prophecy right. even if it doesn't happen in their lifetime they're, they're going to hand it down to the next generation and the next generation mm-hmm. after that until that prophecy happens there'll be a part of that prophecy. That's pretty powerful. So when you're down in Israel, was there anything about, because I've just watched documentaries. I haven't traveled there. Do you have any information about them rebuilding the temple? My understanding is they're raising the Mm -hmm. funds and doing a lot of things to to change the landscape Mm -hmm. back to where it was. I do. I do. We actually go to, uh, it's a not a very large building, it's right in, in Jerusalem in the Jewish quarter called um, the Temple Institute. And the Temple Institute is the organization that is having, everything is made, everything is ready. The high priest has been fitted. Matter of fact, just recently, there were heifers, red heifers that are, were grown and raised in Texas and were shipped over and they have been deemed perfect. They were they the could true be, perfect red heifers. 
They were the mm-hmm. they were with it because they can't have one gray hair. Yeah. Nothing can be out of place. And so this is under all under the instruction of the Temple Institute. I have a picture standing by the lampstand. It is the lampstand that will stand in the third temple. And so yes, the answer is yes. Everything is ready. They could be up worshiping on Temple Mount in one day in more of a structure like the tabernacle was because the tabernacle was the portable version of what became the temple. And so that tabernacle, there is 30 acres on top of Temple Mount. So when I say Temple Mount, that's where that, see the picture in Jerusalem, the Golden Dome, that is, they cannot be up there because that is under Arab control, under Muslim control. But there's plenty of room to set up a portable structure and they could be sacrificing within a day if the Jewish people were able to get up on Temple Mount again. So yes, everything is readied. So a lot of this has to do also with politics in the region, as well as the politics here, not the Jewish religion fully controlling that area. The Muslim religion has their, not a headquarters, what is it there? They've got a mosque there? On top is the um, Golden Dome. It's their third holiest site in, in Islam. Okay, mm-hmm. so there's a there's a political thing, and of course, we just saw that happen yeah. in our country. We moved our embassy over to Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. That that was a big deal. Yeah, yeah. that was that was a, a enormous deal. I thought it because yep. my yep. whole lifetime, president said, "Well, we're going to do this," and that happened. Is there, is the Wailing Wall anywhere in your travels there? Mm. For sure. So the the Wailing Wall is they call it the Western Wall because it stands on the western side of that thirty acre complex, and the It's one of my favorite places to go because you see Jewish person after Jewish person. Now, as a Gentile, I can approach the wall, too, but you see them going to the wall. And why it's called the Wailing Wall, it's because they're longing to be able to sacrifice again. That's the only way they know to get to God. They know that that's been prescribed to them in the Old Covenant. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. They get they draw that from Leviticus 17. Well, there was they no are, hope for the Gentiles have, until then, right? Until Jesus came. That's right, because we weren't sacrificing. We couldn't sacrifice as a Gentile, but as a Jewish person, you could. And so they, because they can't do that, they have to be in God's presence. They have to celebrate their festivals, all their offerings that they'd have to do normally. They can't because they have to have a temple to do that. And so that wall, they they know that God resided up in that temple in the Holy of Holies. And so that wall represents the closest that they can get to where they know the presence of God resided. And they, as a Jewish faith, believe that God resides in the wall until he's able to be in the Holy of Holies again in the third temple. All of this that you get to see when you take a trip to to Israel. Uh, I know there's a lot of groups that do trips. I know you guys have have done trips. Uh, There's other pastors, religious groups that, that do trips. It's amazing to me that most Christians don't know that we're, most of us are Gentiles. So we're we're, we're, we're supposed to be the good Samaritans, right? Yeah, if you're not Jewish, you're a, gen, you're a Gentile. Yeah. 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 If you're not Jewish, you're a Gentile. But if you don't have to be Jewish to be part of his kingdom because of what happened in the Holy Land, all of That's the happenings. Right. And, and you get to walk mm-hmm. through that when you go. So tell us a little bit more about what you saw. How far away is that wall from any of the other sites that you saw? Is most of this a walking tour that you go on? 
uh, kind of the route that we take because it just works best for our group. Um, we start in Tel Aviv and we're right on the Mediterranean Sea. And our, we, we start out, you look out and you see the port of Jaffa. And that's where uh, Jonah left to go to Nineveh. That is the seaport. And so we start there and then we go up the coast and go to Caesarea. It's a magnificent coliseum that Herod built. And then we head on up into Nazareth. And then that's in the Galilee area, the Sea of Galilee, spend a few days. I wanted to, uh, something Dave said about the Sea of Galilee reminded me my very first trip. I remember being out on the Sea of Galilee, which we do every single time we sing worship songs and, and, you know, talk about what happened out there. But I remember it being said, we don't know where a lot of the sites are in the Holy Land. We think this could be it. This seems to line up with scripture. And so it's kind of, you go to it thinking this could be where this happened. But they said, do you see those hills over there? That's called the King's Highway. And the Kings would have come right through that passageway and they would have passed through the Galilee. See this, this, the, the region around here, the topography of the land hasn't changed. These are the very mountains that Jesus would have looked at. I'm like, I, that was just like, I have chill bumps again talking about it because there is so many places that there is that we do know lines up with scripture. We sit on top of Mount Carmel where he's calling down the bales and we stand and we're looking out over the valley that is the Valley of Armageddon where that battle is going to be fought. And it says that the the blood will be up to the bridles of the horses. Um, so we stand in areas that is the exact place where things have happened and where things are going to happen again. First Kings is where um, Elijah. I think, First Kings. That, there you go. Up. So, yeah. so I got to hear from Dave on this one too, because you guys do this trip and, and it sounds like some of the travel is by maybe tour bus and you can take a boat uh, depending on what kind of trip planner you have to get from place to place. But when you're hiking up in the hills, Dave, do you have to carry the bag with all the water in it? <laughs> Uh, anything that Shauna asks me to carry, I will gladly carry for her. <laughs> I and you know what, just kind of to finish off, you're right, because there is a lot of moving around. So we are in a tour bus. You have a tour guide that's with you the entire time you have to have an Israeli tour guide. You want a tour guide. And then we end up in Jerusalem. And, and to your point earlier, that's where most of the walking happens. Yeah is in Jerusalem. But we cover a lot of the, the land of Israel while we're there. It's not a very large land. It's like the size of Delaware. You'd think Israel was the size of the United States with as much attention as it gets, but it's literally the size of Delaware. It's a tiny little piece of land and it's the most contested piece yeah. of property in the entire world. And it's amazing to me how contested it is and the political gamesmanship I've seen over several different president's mm -hmm. regimes here in our country yeah, yeah, talking mm -hmm. about one of our only allies in the region the tensions and you look at it and you're like from, on a, from a map's perspective it looks like all they've got is the beach you know <laughs> <laughs> it does have a beautiful coastline uh -huh. but you know when you ever since the beginning of time matter of fact in church we're going through the book of esther and even then haman wanted to annihilate the jews it's always been that plan that that desire i should say to want to kill the Jews, and it never can be, nor will it ever be done, because it says that they're God's chosen people, yeah. and Abraham was promised that you're going to have this lookout and see the stars. Those are going to be your descendants, and you see this land, and look to this way, and look to this. This land is yours as far as the eye can see. This belongs to the Jewish people. They will fight for that 
until revelation is finished until the end of time so did you right. did you enjoy any manna while you were down there no, but boy, let me tell you, their hummus there is uh, second to none. Their, their hummus is really good. Okay. It's pretty good. The what is? The falafel? The falafel, yeah. Okay, all right. So, folks, if you yeah. get to take a trip to Israel, there's wonderful things, including the, the falafel. So, uh, unfortunately, mm-hmm. we're out of time for today's show, and I want to thank Dave and Shauna for coming on today. What a... It's interesting to take an audio tour through through Israel in the short amount of time we had, and and obviously you've encouraged uh, me. Maybe I'll someday be able to take a trip, and and I think there's a lot of oh. folks out there making it affordable. We'd love to take both of you. Well, and I, if I could just like wrap it up and put a bow on it, so many people wait to take this trip until it's like the last thing. They've done their cruise, they've done their Hawaii, they've done their Mexico, they've done their Europe. But I can tell you, if you're able to do it in your 20s and 30s, and that Bible is going to read like it never mm-hmm. has before because it comes to such life. And so don't wait. Have it be one of your first trips instead of one of your last. I'm into that. And and Dave said you can't become a pastor until you do. That was earlier. (laughs) Well, that's because you have to be, you have to be rebaptized in the Jordan river that, I mean, that's, that's totally the the big thing. Which we've done. Yeah. Yeah. We do baptisms for every trip for sure. That is my bucket list. And that's why it's good to have a guide because you don't want to get baptized in the Dead Sea. So, you know. (laughs) It's pretty hard to, you actually. <laughs> Make sure you're in the right place, yeah. All right. Well, thanks again for coming on. Maybe we'll, thanks for having us. Maybe we'll have to get you back on after your next trip because I know there's always something new. So maybe in the next couple of months, we'll have you back to tell us a little bit more about your experience this this mm. next trip you're taking. And you plan a new trip so I can drag Tim along. That's, that's right. <laughs> we, there you go. We would love it. Uh-huh. All right. Well, take care. Thank you. And folks out there. Don't forget to listen to their show, Dave and Shauna. Take that trip to Israel. That being said, we'll be back at you and in your face again tomorrow. Bye-bye.